Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. You are on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Bump and Beyond, and I am Yulandi Becker. And we are talking parenting. I am going to be very even more excited today as we will be joined later by expert pediatrician Dr. Enrico Maraschin. Remember, this show is all about parenting. I get to share my views and my insights and my expertise. I have two kids after all. And you get to share your views, insights, and your expert views, of course. This is a judgment-free zone. Everything goes. Not everything, but no judgment. <laughs> but this is a judgment-free area. So we want to give you different opinions so that you can make informed decisions on your parenting journey. Like I said, up today, we have expert insert with Dr. Enrico Marashin, and we are going to be talking about baby checkups, those health checkups that you go to quite regularly in the beginning, what you need to know, why they are important, and of course, how you need to prepare for them. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to talk with you and I want you to send me your questions and insights. And the question I have for day to, to today is what is it that you wished you knew when you went to the doctor's checkup with your baby the first time? So if you are a parent of a bit of an older baby, older child, even a grandparent, if you've gone to a doctor's visit ever before, I want you to answer the question, what it is that you wished you knew when you went to the doctor's checkup with your baby for the first time. You can phone us on 010-140-3020. You can even send us a telegram on 061-895-1019 or SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at one rand fifty per SMS. I remember in the beginning with my children, with my son, who is the eldest, even just leaving the hospital initially was quite a journey. Um, well, I think we drove like twenty kilometers per hour on on the road back because we were so you know, nervous and. Not in control. So send me your thoughts on what you did. I'm looking forward to it. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. As I mentioned, the question for today is what you wish you knew when you went to the doctor's um, checkup or health checkup with your baby for the first time. My... As I was saying before, my first just journey with my son was a journey uh, uh, in the car. And just getting ready to go outside with a baby was for me mentally I had to prepare myself. You're so nervous that something's going to happen and you're not going to have everything. And I think I overpacked slightly on that first journey out. Um, I was also so frantic when my son was crying in the car that I probably in a literally two kilometer stretch, I probably stopped three times on the way to check that he was okay. My daughter, the second one was a slightly different experience. Um, 
as I just assumed if she's crying, she's alive, so she'll make it. <laughs> but we have some listeners that sent in some WhatsApps for us to share what they think you need to know on your journey. Hello, I'm Megan, and um, I have a few top tips for when going taking my babies and children to the pediatrician. Um, one of the top tips would be making sure you make the appointment in the morning when they are my children are least tired and they can cope with a little bit of a long wait. There's always a wait at the doctor. And the second thing would be pack snacks, lots of snacks. Snacks makes the time go quickly. And they don't have to wait that long. The third thing would be taking a couple of activity books, whether it's coloring in a piece of paper and a cokey for even a very little one. Under the age of one, they just like to scribble and draw circles. Even stickers, they can stick stickers on their hands on a piece of paper. Also helps time pass quickly. The fourth thing I do is I take a list of questions that I've had over the last couple of weeks or months since I last saw the doctor and run through those questions and I often keep a record on my phone. The other thing is taking a sense of humor because sometimes waiting can really get you down and can make you anxious with your children trying to run around and screaming at the doctor's office. Good luck. Hi, my name is Lisa. Things that I wish I had done when I had a doctor's appointment would, would be two things. The first would be to write a list of any questions that I have that I want to ask because invariably the doctors are, are you know, fully booked and you get distracted by, by where the consultation goes and when you walk out, you're going to remember two questions that you didn't ask. So if you notice something between visits or... Um, if you're going because your child is sick, uh, something that you want to ask about breaking fevers or um, f- feeding, how much feeding is enough, um, just write them down so that you know that you can ask those questions quickly uh, to while you're at the doctor's rooms. And then another thing that I wish I had known was that if the doctor doesn't seem to be taking you seriously, and you are worried about your child, don't be afraid to get a second opinion because a mommy knows her child the best and children have the very bad habit of exhibiting all their symptoms in the evening and looking 100% when you're actually in the consultation with the doctor. So always trust your instincts and always insist that you are heard because you're the voice for that baby. All right, bye. Hi, this is Janine, and these are my top tips for when visiting the doctor or the sister with your baby. So, first tip is always try to schedule it, if possible, not within a nap time. So, try to schedule it for after nap time. Even if if you have to wake your baby up a little bit earlier from their nap, it's better than you waiting in the waiting room and it goes into nap time, and then it's, it's much harder. Second tip is to take some form of entertainment for your little ones, so some little books or toys or something. If you allow screen time, have a cute app on your phone for them to keep them busy, but keep that as an absolute last resort. And then the third tip is have some feeds there. So if it's a bottle-fed baby, have a feed there that you can get ready for them if you're going to wait long. Um, If your baby's already on solids and snacks, Take some snacks with so that um, it doesn't become a problem if you end up waiting a while to see the doctor. And my last tip 
is to be prepared with your questions. So at home, make notes on your phone or on a piece of paper that you want to ask the, the doctor or the nurse so that you don't forget, especially when your baby's getting fussy and difficult and you guys waited an hour to see them, um, then you're going to forget half of the things you actually wanted to to say. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Thank you for sharing. You're clearly smarter than me. <laughs> I wasn't so fully prepared, hence why I'm talking about this today. I have to say, from my personal experience, I feel that the key to a pediatrician is the receptionist. <laughs> you have to be very nice to the receptionist from the get-go and get to know them because they have the keys to the pediatrician. So... Not only pack snacks for your kids, pack snacks for yourself and a cupcake for the receptionist because she is the one who's going to be able to squeeze you in between appointments if your baby's really sick and things like that. So don't forget about the receptionist. My own experience with my children at the pediatrician was really great. I have to say, I didn't really have to pack toys or anything because my pediatrician's office was like a giant jungle gym with toys and books. My kids loved going there. So clearly they were prepared for it. So I'm very excited to be ch chatting with Dr. Enrico Marashin just now. He's a pediatrician to find out if he's got a jungle gym in his office like that because we are talking here bump and beyond with me, Yulandi Becker about visiting doctors and the doctor's checkups and making sure that you're prepared for when you go. So I'm glad that you guys shared some of your insights with me for going to the doctor. Another thing that I feel that you really need to know when you go to the doctor is there is going to be waiting, especially if your pediatrician which most of the time, let's face it, your pediatrician kind of becomes the, the doctor who checked up on your baby when you gave birth. A pediatrician comes in, they check your baby, and kind of automatically, more often than not, that becomes your pediatrician. So your pediatrician mostly is going to be at a hospital. And they are quite busy because you're not their only patient. So be prepared to wait a little bit. Um, it is important to have snacks, have milk feeds, have uh, feeding muslins if you have them to be ready when that happens. And yeah, like one of the listeners mentioned, pack a sense of humor. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Great. So you are on Bump and Beyond with me, Yulandi Becker, and we are privileged today to be in the presence of pediatrician Dr. Enrico Marashin, a.k.a. Dr. Rico, as I know him, keen to share his insights and knowledge. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Yolandi. Um, thanks for the kind invitation and great to be here at Chai FM today. Um, so firstly, as I ask my listeners, does your pediatrician's office look like a play area? So, um, yes, pr prior to COVID, that was the case, but uh, with infectious diseases controls, we've had to tighten up a bit on that. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, and, uh, you know, in the next month or two, if everything still stays stable, it will look like a play area again. 
But, um, yeah, we've had to take the infectious diseases uh, options. I, I have a few mobiles that hang from the roof that uh, no, no kid has ever put in their mouth, which is great because that's great for COVID. And uh, it, it certainly entertains them and keeps them uh, very uh, uh, quiet and uh, allows us to chat with the parents. Because if the child's not distracted, you can't talk to the parents. Yes, no, that's true. I can remember that. And it's always unfortunate when your child becomes cranky just before you have to go in. But you guys, I'm, I was always a little bit envious of clinic sisters and pediatricians because when you handle a baby, you handle them like a pro. Um, clearly, obviously, you see a lot of children. But I was always impressed with like, oh, taking off the baby grow so quickly and so easily. I was not so seasoned. It took me a while to get there. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when I took the first baby grow off my uh, daughter uh, and my son in, in the maternity ward, my mother-in-law was shocked. And I said, but Granny, you know, I, I do this 50 times a day, <laughs> so I'm not going to waste time. But we don't expect all first-time moms to be able to do that. Uh, but uh, usually uh, give them two or three weeks practice and they usually get quicker and quicker and more and more efficient. That's for sure. I mean, even the the changing of a diaper, I think you can do it in your sleep after like week one, um, especially when your son like mine pooped eight times a day in the beginning. So it was crazy. But let's get into it, the actual talk that we're having. And again, I want you guys to, um, you to be able to share your insights. So please do phone us with your questions and your insights um, on baby checkups on 010-140-3020 or send us a telegram on 061-895-1019. So, Doctor, what is a baby checkup or a health checkup and why are they important? Yeah, so every step of the way, um, it's, it's important to check that your child is well. And, and this even starts before the baby's born. So you have an obstetrician and they follow your baby up. And in fact, the modern technology for following up uh, fetuses is, 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 uh, uh, leaps forward compared to where we used to be and we managed to keep babies healthy from even before the birth. But once the baby's born, you know, people expect, well, the baby's out, now there's no more checks to be done. But uh, just remember your child is a bit like your motor vehicle. Uh, it might have some loose nuts and bolts, uh, figuratively, of, of course. And, um, you know, we need to uh, fine-tune those uh, so that we make uh, sure that when your baby is ultimately uh, fully developed, that um, the best possibilities that we can give our child has been given to the child. So we don't want a child to get to, you know, a later age and say, well, why didn't we pick X, Y, Z up? You know, we've got to pick it up early, sort it out early, and we've got to keep your child in as shipshape uh, um, medical health as possible. For me personally, I have to say that just feeding, because I was breastfeeding of course, in the beginning for quite some time and not knowing if your baby's the right weight and growing and all those things. For me, the, the heart checkups was just kind of a reassurance. Hey, you're doing okay. <laughs> well, Yolandi, let me give you the good news. Uh, you know, being a pediatrician, uh, often, especially when you're doing your training, you're mainly saving children's lives. You're not looking after a baby and you're not being a parent. 
So, in fact, those weekly weight gain checks at uh, the, 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 um, all the well baby check uh, clinics that we have uh, are critical because the questions one has, uh, you know, at that stage are very different to the questions one might have if your child's lying in, on a ventilator in a neonatal unit. So um, I always think, you know, if you're a pediatrician, it's always better to be a parent as well because uh, they are different jobs and uh, parents need support. And these well baby clinics are really critical um, to keep you firstly sane. And secondly, um, I always remember my wife used to go to the clinic and then she'd come back and I'd say, so what did everybody else say? And she says, no, they said exactly what we all the problems we had. <laughs> so then we'd all have a big thumbs up and say, okay, so everybody's going through exactly the same thing. And I think if a parent understands that it's not just you as a parent that's going through that, it's every parent in the world at that moment in time may well also be having Similar or, 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 you know, that we all have those same questions and the same problems. The and, same and stupid questions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in my books, there's no such thing as a stupid question because the only stupid question is the question that wasn't asked. Because if you have a question that needs answering, even if it sounds stupid to you, it needs an answer and it needs – the parent needs to be reassured that they're on the right track and they're getting the things done correctly for their baby. You can hear that you are supporting parents. I really love that. <laughs> and I like the fact that because I, um, in asking listeners for their questions and their um, expertise on this, a lot of parents said that their biggest fear is, uh, as in the beginning especially, it doesn't change. My kids are 9 and 11. It doesn't change. Is the not knowing. There's so many variables and we're so insecure. And I think in the beginning, it's not knowing even how to hold your baby, not knowing how to change a diaper. I think those things are and having support and great support like pediatricians and clinic sisters, like you said, really makes the journey a little bit easier. So the the health checkups is important. We know that now so that we can check when something happens and be proactive rather than reactive, I guess, as well. Uh, at what ages is it important? And is it is there a reason for the specific ages what we're doing um, the checkups? At what ages do we generally go for checkups in the beginning? We can't say forever, I guess. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so, so um, you know, the first check is obviously when the baby's born because one wants to know is everything ticking, are the lungs working, or the heart, is the heart working, is the baby moving properly, are all the bones in the right place, uh, is the baby able to latch and suck, is the baby able to wee and poo? Um, so those are all things that, that need to be checked. And um, I think if you think of what a baby can do when you first get home, uh, you know, it, it really suckles and wheezes and poos and maybe cries. And occasionally they also sleep, not often, but they do. <laughs> um, so, so um, uh, you know, if you think of the child at a one year of age, this child's going to be running around. It's actually starting to communicate. And in fact, almost the sort of the king of the family or the queen of the family running the show, telling everybody what to do. And when they started out, not really doing much. So there's a lot that changes in the first year of life. So the checkups for me are quite critical in the first year of life to make sure that your child does get to the point where it's the king of the castle, the queen of the castle and, um, and, and, and doing very well. Um, so the next check often will be at six weeks of age. Um, so there, there's a lot of physiological changes that have, ha that have happened, especially with the heart and lungs. Uh, and one uh, wants to just check that that's all stabilized out, um, you know, change from fetal life into, um, uh, you know, on, on earth and, and in room air. 
And then thereafter, we check every three months. So we'll check at three months uh, and the issues that we'll discuss there, you know, and an important one at, at six months, uh, three months is that we're going to be introducing the solids at four months. Then the next one is three months later, at six months of age, when the child starts sitting and moving and vocalizing. Um, and then also we, at that stage, importantly with the feeding is to, to teach the child to feed itself because, uh, that's quite an important developmental stage. And then at nine months, the child starts getting around the house and, um, the big thing at nine months for me really is, is, is the discipline. Um, and, um, you know, there's been a big shift on how we discipline children. And I have a long discussion with, uh, with parents at that nine month checkup on positive discipline. And, and luckily there are also, I'd, I'd encourage moms to go onto Instagram and, and specifically look up positive discipline and positive, um, uh, parenting because, uh, that's what's going to change our society for the better going forward. So no negative means of discipline and only positive and, um, yeah, look, look out for, for information on that. That really does help parents. And then the final three months, then your child's going to be at, at 12 years, uh, 12 months of age and uh, about 13 months they're going to start walking. So there's a lot of, uh, information we need to share there. And then in the second year of life, it's just every six months because they develop a lot less fast. So, uh, you know, there are less things to check. So there will be the 18-month checkup, two-year checkup. And thereafter, uh, you know, we should all have a checkup every year, once a year. I would encourage parents and, and adults and, and older people also just to have checkups um, once a year to make sure that they're well. Um, often there are things that can be picked up that you might not even know are happening and those need to be sort out, sorted out and especially fine-tuned and caught early and be preemptive rather than reactive. Yes, I like that. I also love the positive parenting stuff and maybe a theme for another show as well. I think that's a big um, discussion. Yeah, for sure. That. And also, I really feel that we need to teach our kids so much more kindness kindness being kind i think we forget about teaching our children kindness but like i said a whole different show kids do grow quite a lot in that first year significantly if you just think of their weight in the beginning at the end of that first year how much is happening and most kids start talking start walking all in one year's time i don't think there's any time in a kid's or in a a, a human's life that you grow so significantly and learn so many like motor skills and cognitive skills than in that first year. The second year, of course, then a little bit more emotional development, but also a whole different discussion for another time. <laughs> what, when you go to one of these checkups, what should parents expect during this? How long does it take? What do you check for and what do you do? We already mentioned that you open a baby grow, so something must be happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I mean, I think, you know, most of the parents that, that, that spoke earlier were saying about being prepared. Uh, the one thing that most moms didn't say is that you need about four or five nappies and four or five changes of clothes because they <laughs> tend to vomit all over the show. And if you're not prepared for that. so But I think the other parents who spoke earlier really uh, gave good advice on, on getting ready uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and what you need to do, and especially the list of questions, because you'd hate to go home and not ask the one question you should have asked. Um, but then there are very specific things that we've checked, and we've mentioned a few, um, you know, uh, in the last few moments we did mention, you know, what, what's important to check at each checkup. But, um, yeah, really, we just want to fine-tune things 
pick up things, make sure that they're on target with their developmental milestones. Um, and if they not get them up to speed, uh, the one other thing I always do, do say, you know, a lot of parents say, oh, but these kids are all in therapy. But, but for me, uh, you know, if you're talking about things like occupational therapy, uh, physiotherapy, speech therapy, for me, they're not therapies. They're part of our education nowadays because no one is born perfect. And, um, if there are issues that we can help parents out uh, on, on those issues, uh, um, uh, I just find it's part of the education because if you sort it out, it doesn't become a problem. Whereas if you don't sort it out, then it does become a problem. Yes. So if you've just joined us, you're on 101.9 High FM with me, Yulandi Becker. And this is Bump and Beyond, and we're talking to pediatrician Dr. Enrico Marishin about those baby checkups, those health checkups that you need to go to. You've just mentioned now about occupational therapists and all those things. And I really do think that in the end of the day, for those of you who don't know, I am a sleep expert. <laughs> and I always say that for me, parenting is a group effort and everyone has a role to play. And I do think that occupational therapy is very important. I always say I should have gone. I have no depth perception whatsoever. I should have had OT when I was small. I should maybe go for it now. But it is very interesting for me, all these different. Do you think it's more common because kids are, you know, doing a lot more passive? Let me not say screen time just per se out like that. But they're a lot more passive than what they, what we were when we were children. Is that playing a role in this or is it just more that luckily these things are more readily available and we're more informed about it? Yeah, so I think it's a, it's a bit of both, you know. Um, maybe children who had problems, um, you know, life was less demanding in previous eras and, you know, there were less, um, high stress jobs that, uh, kids would have done if, um, if, if, if they weren't in the modern world. Whereas nowadays every job is a bit high pressured and, you know, you almost need training for every job. And I always think of Australia, you know, Australia, you can't uh, do any job unless you've had the proper training, which is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing for someone who can't maybe learn as well as others so um, yes we are also then because we're doing checkups and we follow the kids up and the technology gets better screen time big issue um, and in fact with COVID we've had a big issue and I think we should actually quickly touch base on that because uh, you know in, in, in the time since COVID started and in the the, the, the aftermath of COVID we, we, we see a lot of kids who have battled severely because they're not playing outside, they're not climbing the, the tree, they're not seeing granny, they're not uh, seeing their friends, they're not going for play um, uh, play dates. And, uh, in fact, we've had a huge problem. And, and I think, uh, you know, parents, just be aware of that. Um, you, you, your kids may need some help in that regard. And I think... Um, what kind of help when you uh, say... What? Well, it may be, you know, some of them might have sleep disorders in your ballpark. Others might, um, because of stress, you know. Others might not have developed their muscles because they've been locked inside. And, you know, not everybody's uh, got the privilege of having a garden. So there being kids who've been locked up in apartments. And so now they... They haven't learned to climb a tree. They haven't learned to climb into a swimming pool. They haven't learned how to climb out of a swimming pool. And sometimes they may need help in, in learning how to do that. 
And uh, uh, so uh, the other important thing, I came across a fact just recently, which I found very interesting. It's the movement of the body that's important. So, you know, if we're all sitting on, on, uh, on a screen or in front of a TV, our body doesn't move. And then our eyes aren't moving. And then we're not absorbing information from the environment around us. So if you think of someone sitting on an iPad, there's no movement at all. And, and for neurodevelopment, we need movement. So if you think of a kid climbing up a tree or running around the swimming pool or playing in the pool or going for a walk with the parents and the dog outdoors. There's a lot of movement. And and if you think about uh, we move a lot, so um, what we're doing is we're programming the brain. I always think of the brain as a um, uh, an empty hard drive, and then you've got to program it. So if that program doesn't allow you movement and you're not absorbing things, be it from your eyes, your proprioception, your your sense of taste and smell and hearing and so on, then you're just not developing it, and and then that can compromise you because at a certain point you get to a point where you can't gain those skills anymore. So you mentioned, you know, maybe you should go and have something about your depth perception. You know, as an adult you can help a little bit, but as a child you can help a lot, and you can, you know, that you can really work on. Yes, I've um, I remember now talking about this development and those things that kind of build onto each other, and it is really I always feel like development is like a ladder you know it's like one step that builds onto each other and the next so if one development milestone is missing it's not the end of the world but it is a little bit harder to get to the next step and yes and i think that's why it's important to have these checkups and to go for these things so that you can see if you're missing something and rather catch it early than later is there something that you feel that parents need to prepare for what what do they need to prepare for these visits what you used to mention the list of questions is there other things that they need to have readily available should they google some questions before they come to you <laughs> yeah so 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 look um you know um Everything is around the technology nowadays, which is a good and bad thing. So the good side of it is that they can Google, okay, so what is the doctor going to do at the six-week checkup yeah. and what is he going to do at the three-month checkup and, uh, you know, what is important. Uh, and I think maybe the developmental phases. So, so look, mostly when I ask parents, they know the answers to the questions, you know, does your baby sit, does it roll over? Can, but but sometimes I'll say, but I haven't noticed, you know. Or, for example, I ask them, can they transfer an object from one hand to the other at the six-month checkup? And often people will think, well, hang on. And then I have to prompt them, okay, so does the kid maybe put the thing in the mouth and then transfer <laughs> to the arm? Oh, yes, yeah, 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 that happens. So so maybe if you do Google these things, it's not a bad thing. And then I think there are apps um, that, that that help you through these things. Um, so um, but but also not to forget about your gut instinct. I think sometimes uh, parents forget it, uh, and moms. I mean, moms. I think they're born with this huge gut instinct about what their kids all about, and and I'm always scared. That's why I said there's no stupid question because you know if a mom is worried about something, there is you, you don't poo-poo her. There may be nothing to worry about, but maybe just remember that that mom uh, she's using uh, her. Um, communication with their child 24-7 and it's not just what they say and do but how they absorb it, how they feel it how they, and um, so so don't forget about gut instinct not only all the apps <laughs> I love that, thank you IFM 101.9 megahertz of life if you've just joined us, you're on Bump and Beyond with me, Yolandi Becker, and we are talking to pediatrician Dr. Enrico Marashin about baby checkups, wellness checkups that you need to go to. If you have questions or 
you want to telegram us, please send us a message on 061-895-1019 to share your expertise and insights into this. So, Doctor, a last question before you go. A thing that I never knew, and I, I probably should have also, I've done it now, my kids are 9 and 10, mm. um, is when should you be checking for hearing and for the eyes, those type of things? Yeah, so, so in fact, those are very early on because, as we've mentioned, you're absorbing your environment around you and sight and hearing are very critical. So... Um, with the eyes, uh, we just do a very brief check at birth. And, in fact, we just recently had a case where uh, the, uh, uh, a child was picked up uh, as having cataracts before it was even born on an wow. ultrasound before the birth. Uh, so, so so, the technology just gets uh, more and more amazing. Uh, so that we check very uh, roughly at birth. But the, the, the gynecologists and the fetal specialists will be checking that even before the birth. Um, and then um, the hearing, um, a lot of clinics offer he- a hearing tests at birth, uh, but our clinic uh, waits until about eight weeks of age because we found a lot of kids still had fluid behind their eardrums when they were born, and then the mothers get a bit hysterical because they're worried now the kid can't hear properly, but it's all it's just because there hasn't been time for the fluid that was there from fetal life to be cleared into the nasal passages and then allow the baby to hear normally. Uh, and then thereafter, it uh, uh, can be done yearly, uh, but if you're in a low-risk situation, I, I certainly recommend you have to test the hearing again at two years, the latest. And then the eyesight, um, yeah, obviously we'll be keeping an eye out as to whether the child's reacting to things uh, around it. Uh, if the baby's born prem, then we do get an eye check by an ophthalmologist uh, before discharge from the ICU if they're born between before 32 weeks of gestation, uh, because um, pr- prematurity of the eyes can cause pr- retinal problems that need addressing and then the official uh, f- uh, formal eye test um, uh, for kids who are just born normally at term would be at six months of age there's some amazing technology that allows us to it's almost like taking a selfie which is quite amazing so there's the technology I was just about again. to ask how do you actually even check yeah, that <laughs> so, so, so it's just the, the child looks at a camera and the camera picks up the time when it, 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 it's a correct time to take the photo and it does everything automatically so, you know, even in low-care settings and in rural settings, um, uh, it would be nice to see these machines starting to creep out into the um, lower-care settings where uh, we can screen for eye tests. And then, um, once again, that one we you can do yearly, um, but certainly no later again than two years of age. And then, obviously, when you get to school, um, there will be the sight and hearing tests again, you know, any time from age three uh, onwards. Uh, how would you notice if a baby can't hear? Yeah, so it can be subtle. You know, the the one that can't hear at all might become obvious and easy to pick up. But uh, a child who's not hearing 100% well but hearing can be missed even until two and a half, three years of age. Now, the way I describe that is imagine if I speak to you Chinese for the first two years of your life and then I say, okay, no, sorry, now we're speaking Russian. Uh, and that's what can be happening. You know, the child's hearing the wrong language and then it starts pronouncing the language incorrectly. So picking up sight and hearing problems in my world is, 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 is very critical. And, in fact, before this technology was available, I was very anxious 
you know, how, how do we pick these things up? But now there is the possibility of doing that. So let's use the technology uh, to the advantage of our kids. Again, I think the technology, even for the treatment of those things, have, like, increased quite significantly. Rocketed, yeah. And that's also amazing, of course. Also another great conversation for the future. If you've just joined us, you're on 101.9 Chai FM. We're talking bump and beyond with me, Yolandi Becker. I thank you so much, Doctor, for joining us today and talking about these baby checkups and health checkups as they are very important for your little one. It's also just sometimes necessary to know that everything is okay. And if it's not, then at least you're picking it up early enough to have some kind of intervention. So now we get to our catnap section where we're talking about sleep because I know a lot about sleep. Today I want to start off by just sharing with you a little bit of insight with regards to sleep in the sense of it does it sleep is complicated it's not just one thing that will affect your child's sleep it's a, a number of things that need to work together and we call these the building blocks of sleep you want to have nutrition in place you want to have the right environment a good bedtime routine a great routine and schedule during the day before you even attempt Sleep interventions such as getting your child to fall asleep on their own. So when I'm answering these questions that you guys sent to me, you need to remember that it's not always so easy for me. I can't just have a perfect answer. I'm going to try and make you sleep better tonight, but it's not going to be changing your life significantly, probably. So the first question I got was a three-month-old early morning wake-ups at 4 a.m., naps well. This is also a good one maybe that you, doctor, can still also <laughs> talk about. But a three-month-old that's early morning wake-ups at 4 a.m., naps well. The bedtime is at 6.30. Still depends on a snuggle to get him down. He still feeds at 10, 11, and then again at 2. So for me personally, I have to say three milk feeds because early morning at 4 a.m. if your baby's still waking up and you're feeding, I don't feel it's abnormal at all at three months for a baby to still be waking up two to three times a night for a feed. I wouldn't be worried, to be honest. Um, for now, I would say if your baby's waking up early morning, feed your baby burp them slightly and just put them down to sleep. <laughs> Don't wait. Try to go to them as quickly as possible to feed. In the first six months, we encourage that you actually have your baby as close to you as possible anyway. So have your baby next to you in a cot. So not bed sharing, but co-sleeping or room sharing with your baby right next to you to make that feed a little bit easier. So no need to worry if that is the case, if your baby is waking up three, two to three times for a feed. Early morning at the moment, though, Hadi does a waking up. The sun is coming up earlier. So also look at those environmental factors to cut those out. Make it as dark as possible in your room. If you don't have proper blockouts, get them. They are needed. Um, there's great products out there to help you to make it as dark as possible in the room. The next question that someone sent, what is the best time to bath a five-week-old baby? Must I bath her before or after feeding? Again, <laughs> a combination question here. At five weeks, please remember, you don't need to bath your baby every day. They're not that dirty. They don't do much. So just a top and tail, that means taking a wet cloth and wiping your baby 
can be sufficient. The reason why we often say as sleep consultants to introduce bathing is that you want to have melatonin productions. Newborns don't really have melatonin yet. They only start producing it between 8 and 10 weeks. So the the benefits of a bath with regards to sleep becomes a little bit mute. So don't need to worry about it. And you need to check out your own baby when it comes to whether or not to bath before or after feed. I would recommend after for one reason, so that your baby's not cranky. But in the same breath, your, if your baby has reflux, it might be beneficial to bath your baby before a feed. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. You are on Bump and Beyond with me, Yolandi Becker. And the show is almost finished. It was very quick for me today. feel a little bit sad. But we are back again next week to talk parenting, me and you. I am planning a show, not for next week, but in the future, to talk about fertility and struggles with getting pregnant. If you've had struggles with getting pregnant, please do send us a email on onair at com or bumpandbeyond at com. As we would love to have you on the show, if you're comfortable with sharing your journey, we would really love to have you on the show. So please do send us an email as we want to touch base with you. This show will be available on a podcast afterwards. So check out hivem.com for the podcast. Next week is going to be also an exciting, fun show as we're going to be talking to Amanda Miller, a registered nurse, an expert in baby sign language. That's going to be fun. And the question for the week, if you already want to get your answers in, will be to when did your baby start talking? And share with us some of the funny things that your baby said when they learned to speak mispronunciations of words and those type of things are what we're looking for. Let's have some fun with that next week. Remember that our telephone number is 010-140-3020 and you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. So, in the final analysis, it's not what you do for your children but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. We have, on this journey of parenting, spoken today a lot about the the things that you need to check and have those checkups. Remember to also check yourself when it comes to parenting to see where you're at as a parent. I loved, I love being a parent and I also find it very annoying and I find it sometimes very frustrating and I'm not the only one, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there that has these struggles. I want to remind you today that it is possible to have more than one feeling at the same time. You can be immensely grateful that you are a parent and that you have a baby and that you fell pregnant. In the same breath, you can be immensely frustrated and annoyed that it's not going the way that you planned and that you are never, ever alone. (laughs) But 
that is the joy of it. You can have different things happening as a parent. None of us know the best combination of things to do for our children. More often than not, as parents, we just close our eyes and hope for the best. And some might call this faith. And that is what parenting is all about. It's about having faith that it's going to work out the way that it should. I had such a great time with you today. Join me next week when we talk to Amanda Miller, a registered nurse and expert in baby sign language. Remember to check out our podcast um, on hivem.com. It's been super fun with you, and I look forward to next week.